0: Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
1: You're listening to the Circe Podcast Network. I'm Joshua Gibbs, and this is Proverbial, the podcast where we explore the wisdom of the ages as it comes to us in Proverbs, by which I mean wise sayings a man may live by, he's not so arrogant as to think himself special episode 67 my girls today's proverb is unattributed I'll read it twice birds of a feather flock together once more birds of a feather flock together This is a proverb that is often spoken quite glibly. The casual, common usage of this proverb really doesn't attempt to explain a whole lot about why the world is the way that it is. However, when the proverb is understood, it provides us with ample opportunity to be offended, which is why I like it so much. The best proverbs promise some sort of upbraiding of the modern mind, and this proverb is no different. Birds of a feather flock together. On the surface of it, it means, well, on the surface of it, it's about animals, not people. Birds of a feather, kinds of birds, sparrows flock together, cardinals flock together, crows flock together, etc. And the quote is not, birds of a feather look good together. The quote is not, birds of a feather enjoy one another's company, but that they flock together. Which is to say that there is something natural about species of birds, kinds of birds joining one another, being near one another, being around one another, seeking out one another's company. You don't have to teach cardinals to spend time with cardinals. You don't have to teach sparrows to find other sparrows. We do it naturally, or they do it naturally. Now, this idea, one of those great sayings about... uh, Animals that we neatly translate into a saying about people like you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink, suggests something about human nature, that animals have something to teach us about ourselves. And this is a very ancient idea. You find it, of course, it's the underwriting principle of Aesop's work, But you find it often enough in scripture, especially the Old Testament. In Ecclesiastes, Solomon suggests many times that the fact that animals die has a lot to teach human beings, that humans and animals are exactly alike in this way. A common fate awaits all sentient creatures. And we, as human beings, should see the inevitability of animal death and learn from it. Birds of a feather flock together. I have to say, as a teacher, this is a proverb that many teachers do not understand or refuse to understand. What I mean is that there are an awful lot of teachers who relish the role of social engineer As opposed to being content with the fact that a teacher is a judge, sometimes a jury, there are many teachers who want to try to take the, the society or the community of students and to manipulate it into something that they think is better or more appropriate. And I don't mean enforcing the rules. I don't mean teaching the books. I mean there are teachers who Observe students sitting at lunch together and want to break up friendships, break up groups of friends, drive a wedge into what is referred to as a clique. With this idea that adults see better than children do what sorts of people and what sorts of of friendships are appropriate for other kinds of people. So it's not exactly like matchmaker, right? It's not, I'm not saying that a matchmaker is a social engineer. Um, To speak to a certain person and to think, wow, you really ought to meet this friend that I know. Or I have a friend that you would get along with famously. That's not what I'm talking about. That's actually... Uh, Reinforcing the idea that birds of a feather flock together and I know somebody who's like you and if you met him You would naturally want to spend time with him And yet there are you know at every school these close groups of friends four or five friends that have all things in common and There are for whatever reason there are these I've encountered teachers often enough in my career who see these tight-knit groups of friends And as opposed to calling them tight-knit groups of friends, they call them cliques. And as soon as a tight-knit group of friends becomes a clique, it's uncritically assumed, you don't even need to prove it, that we need to figure out how to drive two or three more people into this clique so that it's not as tight a group of friends, so that it's not too small. And so you start introducing, you know, in every event, in every presentation that's going to be given in class, in every sort of game that's going to be played, you start trying to drive two or three people into it. Often enough with teachers, there's an idea that a certain group of friends is not diverse enough. And I say this is true even in like classical Christian schools. where there'll be a group of seven or eight tight-knit ninth-grade students, freshmen. And a teacher will say, "We need to get some so- we need to get some sophomores or seniors into that group. It's too insular." As though a really tight-knit group of friends is a bad thing and that it could be improved if we just bring some people in that we think are right for them. And so we often think of Friendship as the sort of thing that can be forced on people that if we simply corral human beings into a small enough group for long enough, they'll eventually become friends. And there's a lack of trust in people. There's this sort of skepticism in the idea of society itself. There's a a belief that there's something wrong with society as it naturally emerges and that we need to fix broken friendships by making them more diverse, more wide open, or, or bringing in enough people that there's simply too many people for everyone to share everything in common, and so the group will become diffuse, and more people will get in. And this is all sort of built off of this really banal idea of friendship that a lot of modern Christians have That all relationships must be friendships. It's one of the reasons why we often insist that man and wife must be best friends. It's because we don't understand any relationship that's not a friendship. We don't understand any relationship that's not an equality because all friendships are based on equality. We're an egalitarian society and so we think everything should ultimately come down to friendship because friends have all things in common. A friendship is not a hierarchical relationship. We hate hierarchy, so we think that everyone should be friends. And any group of people who attempts to relate to another group of people in a a non-egalitarian sort of way is refusing the sort of equality that comes with friendship. So everything has to be friendship. Everything has to be equality. Everything has to be equal. And we're not willing to have formal relationships. We don't like the idea of people grouping themselves naturally by kind. We want some sort of theory to override the goodness that society produces on its own. And so we find these kids who are loners. I find this rather fascinating. Having been a part of many discussions along this, Along these lines If you find a kid that's a loner these days It is very uncommon to blame a loner for being a loner It is far more common to blame large groups of friends For the fact that a loner is a loner than it is to blame the loner for being a loner and What we want is for the large group of friends To change itself to accommodate the loner. As opposed to telling the loner that he needs to accommodate himself to the large group of friends. Now the social engineer really thinks that if he uses his power and authority and simply commands a large group of friends. You have to take this guy in. That it's going to work and social engineers tend to be very happy with appearances alone. Social engineer is glad that the loner is not sitting by himself. Social engineer is glad that he's sitting with the rest of the class, never mind the fact that nobody likes him and that their feelings against him are growing stronger by the minute because he's been forced on them, because they've not been treated as autonomous beings with feelings who operate in a psychologically realistic sort of way. And as opposed to simply taking the child on, the loner on, in a sort of professional way. In a sort of formal way. Yes, we will spend time with him. The social engineer as teacher or the teacher as social engineer wants to make sure that there's a real deep-seated friendship that's emerging here. As though friendships simply emerge wherever we snap our fingers. We tend to believe the same thing about mentors. We tend to believe... That a mentor can be assigned to someone. (laughs) We're assigning this person to you as your mentor. You don't know what the word mentor means. Mentor can't be assigned. That's absurd. You choose a mentor because you love them and admire them. You can't assign somebody a mentor. You can't assign somebody a friend. Completely denies Man as imago Dei. Man as person. Treating a child as the image of God means respecting their personhood. And you can make them obey the rules. You can call on them to fall in line and punish them when they don't. But if the will won't will, nothing can force it. So quit acting like you can. You also find this sort of thing, birds of a feather flock together. You find people resistant to this sort of idea at parties as well. A sane... A sane party with, you know, 18 people or 20 people is going to naturally sort itself out into groups of compatible conversation partners. I really believe that. And if you're a sociable person and you've been invited to some parties over the years, you know the primary way in which a party of 20 people sorts itself out. It's men and women. The men go outside to smoke and talk, the women stay inside to chat. That's how it goes. That's better than 75% of the good parties I've been to. And it may not stay like that, it may not be like that all night. There are some people going in and out and switching sides. But if you've been to a decent party like that, you also know how aggravating it is When someone wants to play social engineer at a party and wants to force the men and women to spend the whole evening together. And they do this on the theory that a more diverse conversation will be more interesting or more better. Or will make progress as society if the men don't get to talk with each other. And they have to talk to the women, and the women can't talk to each other, and they have to talk to the men, and this will be better somehow, simply because it's more diverse. Now, if you're content with being a common person, you do not object to nature, per se. You don't view human nature as Always wrong and always sinful. You believe that what people do naturally can teach you something about what they ought to do. I'm not saying anybody's born a saint. We all need salvation. We all need baptism. We all need the church. We all need Jesus Christ. But human nature can teach us something. Watching the way that people behave uncritically can teach you something about What it means to be common What common is And God reveals himself to us In nature In mother nature But he reveals himself to us in human nature as well And if you don't accept that Then you don't believe that the love That a mother has for her child Has anything to teach us about God And if if you can't accept That a mother's love for her child Has something to teach us about God You don't know who God is You have no clue The relationships of our lives Teach us about who God is We learn who God is by Observing people How they behave How they're naturally inclined to behave How society naturally works Society is a gift of God Society doesn't need to be Fixed There are corruptions in society That need to be purged But society is not a problem that intellectuals have the answer to. Society is good. Soldiers are good. Mailmen are good. Bakers are good. Teachers are good. Students are good. It's good that these things exist. And their very existence points to the giver of the nature of these things because students have a nature and teachers have a nature and cops have a nature and senators have a nature they all have a nature nature derives from God birds of a feather flock together means you've got to let people sort themselves out people are good at picking friends generally speaking And it's one thing to tell a teenager, no, you can't hang out with that person. And friendships all throughout life may need to be tested, may need to be given some sort of scrutiny. Because even good friendships don't always bring out the very best in us. It's often antagonistic relationships that bring out the best in us. But you have to trust people to sort themselves out. You have to trust human nature, society, society that God created, a desire for society that God himself instilled in the human heart. You have to trust this in allowing people to sort themselves out best. And you can't pretend that a theory of what human friendship is is more serviceable to human happiness than the natural gravity that compels deep with deep, that compels men to seek out like-minded men and women to seek out like-minded women. Birds of a feather flock together means that you don't need a theory for everything, that there's not some abstract way of accounting for the world And that though the world is fallen and though men are sinful, the influence of Mother Nature on us, the influence of the earth itself, is a gracious tutor of God that helps us seek out profitable, sustainable happiness on our own.